Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing. Life is good and it's getting better. And that's a tagline yes. from our next guest, <laughs> Justin Rudd. Justin, how are you today? Yeah, good. It's a beautiful day out there. I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. You know, when I started this project of It's a Long Beach thing, I had a short list of people that I, I definitely wanted to have on this show. And you were one of the people that were on the top of the list. So thanks oh. again for agreeing to, to come on the podcast and, and talk about Long Beach with me. You bet. So uh, you have a rich history with Long Beach. So let's start from the beginning. I believe you came to this, uh, this city in 1995. So can you get into that story on what brought you here to Long Beach? Sure. So I had moved from Alabama to California and uh, because of a relationship and uh, lived in North Hollywood for about two years and then moved to Long Beach because of another relationship and which didn't work out, but Long Beach did work out and I've decided to stay. And I've just been here for 26 years now. Uh, so I spent half my life in Alabama and half my life here. Right on. So what were the aspects of when you moved here in the mid nineties that, that you fell in love with this, with the city of Long Beach? God, you know, the I, first of all, I think that the weather is so amazing here. Um, you know, growing up in Alabama, it seems like every other day it's a, a thunderstorm and rain. Um, but here it obviously doesn't rain so much, which I wish it would rain some more. But um, the, the weather is very pleasant. Um, you can be outside all the time. You know, events don't have to be postponed because of rain delays or uh, bad weather. And just year round, it's very it's very comfortable. I, um, I love the people who are here. It's a very diverse and um, rich, rich um, heritage and cultural uh, ask for the people that live here. And I like that a lot. Um, and I think those would be my top things right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you started kind of in Long Beach with humble beginnings because I, I read your bio a little bit. You kind of just doing odd jobs to, to pay the bills. Yes. What got you into that that community aspect that that we know of you today? Yeah, when I first moved to Long Beach, I was doing all kinds of things just to pay the bills, um, um, like cutting grass. I had a lawn care business. I was cleaning offices and toilets. And uh, for, for a side job, I was doing photography, pets and people. Um, I was also teaching beach boot camp classes. And it was there that I was spending a lot of time at the beach teaching, um, I think four classes a week and was seeing a lot of trash debris that had washed ashore. And I wanted to do something about it. I was, my thought was that the city was not being able to take care of it fast enough or as efficient as I thought it sh they should be. And I said, I, I didn't want to keep waiting for others to help clean up the beach. So I said to my beach to my Sand Challenge Beach Boot Camp students, I said, can you stay after class on Saturday and help me clean the beach for about 30 minutes? And we did, uh, about 12 of us. And then that next month, I asked them to come back and to bring somebody with them. And for the same 10 o'clock to 10.30 
uh, time frame and they brought their friends. And then the next month, the same thing, they brought their friends. And now we get about almost 200 uh, volunteers on the third Saturday every month at 10 o'clock. And that was my first effort of um, working in our community to, um, to help clean the beach. And I've been doing it every month um, since. So it, in May, it'll be our 23rd, or June will be our 23rd annual or uh, anniversary of our monthly cleanup. That's unbelievable. Is that where CAT started, C-A-T? <laughs> Generally. Um, so I... I I started doing other things in our um, in our city. Um, I was doing some gay sprint dating, lesbian sprint dating events. I did a Monday night supper club um, to get community together. Um, I was uh, organizing dog parades like the hot dog Easter parade, the hot dog Halloween parade. Um, I started the bulldog beauty contest. I started efforts to create Rosie's Dog Beach. And um, I was leading a national adult spelling bee and a national kids spelling bee. And all of those things together were taking a lot of time. So I scaled back on some of my other activities. I was leading a, I was working part-time at a public relations firm in Long Beach. Um, and I, I scaled back my hours there, uh, even from part-time, so that I could spend more time doing what I was loving to do. And that was organizing these events, contests, and projects. And from there, that's when I started CAT. So CAT's been in place uh, a little over 20 years um, as a nonprofit 501c3. Um, but it was all, the, all of those things together. Right on. And how did uh, Rosie's Beach come to, come to play? Because that's, that's your dog, wasn't it? Yeah, Rosie was my English bulldog. So Rosie was my first um, dog here in California. Um, she was a, an English bulldog and... Um, we were living a block from the beach. So uh, I, I would go over to the beach and I would see that the people were not there. People weren't coming to the beach. They weren't laying out, playing at the beach, spending time there. And I'm thinking if people aren't going to come here uh, to Long Beach, and, and I think most of that's because the beach was not as clean as it could be, um, not as safe as it could be. Um, and then the break wall was um, giving us smaller waves. So people were choosing to opt to go maybe to Orange County where waves are bigger and there's a, more crowds and it's just a funner atmosphere. And I said to myself, if people aren't going to go and spend time at the beach, why can't I uh, go over there with my dog and be off leash legally? Because it, it was illegal to take a dog on the beach for maybe 60 years up until that point. Um, there were city codes and laws saying that dogs could not be on our beaches. And then I found uh, a code or a law for Long Beach that said that dogs could be off leash. Um, it could be on the beach during a special event. So I figured that out and I wanted to have a special event where dogs could come and be on the beach. And I did that and we uh, had success, great success, actually, about 500 dogs in a four hour time frame on a Sunday afternoon. Um, this was in 1999, I think June. So this June, I think will be our 21st uh, year of having a beach area where dogs can be on the beach legally. And it's the only one still in Los Angeles County. Yeah, and you see them all over the place. And and you know, what the great thing about that beach is it's, it's very wide. So dogs yeah. are able to run around the sand because they have something in Huntington Beach, but it's a lot more impacted. Whereas in Long Beach, they have a lot more sand they can run. They can roam around a little bit freer there. 
So that, that's fantastic. And uh, you're also really into fitness. And yeah. so tell me how the uh, turkey truck came to be. Sure. So I knew that uh, as, as I was teaching the beach boot camp classes, I started uh, organizing some smaller running activities um, like I did uh, sand challenge uh, as a beach obstacle course. Um, and it was a 5K. So you run over um, mounds of big mounds of sand. Um, you crawl under um, things that I would create on the beach. You'd jump over walls and all kinds of fun things like that on the sand. Um, and then I was organizing uh, what's called a pajama run, which was a 5K where people would wear uh, pajamas or some uh, nightgowns, uh, just kind of a, a, a fun, funner type of a, a running event, not in your traditional running shorts and shirt. Um, and then um, I wanted, I, I knew that Dana Point had this event called a turkey trot um, and they had about 12,000 participants and it was a big fundraiser. And I knew that I, I didn't know of another one around Long Beach. Um, so I created my my own and I called it Long Beach Turkey Trot and held it on Thanksgiving morning. We had about 500 runners that first year wow. and uh, we, we still do it on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, we've had as many as 6,500 runners, um, but now these days we're around, around 2,500 runners and walkers. Um, and we've got two start times on Thanksgiving morning. So you can run or walk a 5K or a 10K uh, or do the kids uh, half mile. And uh, the thing that's different uh, back when I started, I knew about Dana, Dana Points, Turkey Trot. I knew about ours and I didn't know of any others. Now, I think there's 20 or 30 other Turkey Trots around. So our obviously the runners have spread out and they're doing Turkey Trots in their own backyard. Um, so our numbers are down, but still it's a great fundraiser for my nonprofit community action team. How long has that been going on? The Turkey Trot? Turkey Trot, maybe somewhere around 20 years. Okay, great. Oh, wow. Wow. And yeah. then, and not only that, but you have a book exchange that you do where you bring yeah. out the red wagon and people can come. Yeah, tell us the origin about that. Sure. So uh, about, um, geez, uh, I want to say nine, yeah, nine years ago, um, my uh, English bulldog Riley was uh, getting older. Um, he was my second bulldog. And um, as he was approaching nine years old himself, uh, his back legs were not working so great. And he was a little slower. I was living a, a block away from Second Street. And I wanted to take Riley, you know, to lunch up on Second Street, go to lunch myself and take him along or um, go go to coffee. And um, I, I knew that it would be very slow if I walked Riley up there. So I put him in the back of a red wagon and pulled him and I was going at my pace then. And I was just, it was, both of us would have some company, you know, at lunch or uh, having coffee together. Um, and it was just a lot, uh, that, that's the way we got around. Um, and then um, when Riley passed away, um, I decided to take that book, uh, to take that red wagon and put it in my front yard uh, there on the Toledo um, near Nieto in Belmont Shore. And uh, I put it out there and put some books from our um, from our own collection out there. And I put a sign that said, feel free to take a book or, or donate a book, leave a book in the wagon. And people did. And it was quite popular there. Um, we, we had as many as um, 500 or so books every day. Um, and we would give out dozens of books every day. Dozens of people would come and visit the Red Wagon. We've since uh, moved from that first location um, to our first house. 
Um, and that was four years ago. We moved from there two years ago to where we are currently on First Street here in Bluff Park. And the wagon is still there. I put it out every morning. I put it away every evening. And there's about uh, 350 selections, uh, books and magazines. We subscribe to about 100. We get about 150 um, magazines uh, that are uh, current and popular magazines that you would know of, like Good Housekeeping, um, Better Homes and Gardens, L, Cosmopolitan, Men's Fitness, Esquire, those kinds of magazines. And people can have a magazine or they can take five books and they can keep those forever or they can bring them back in exchange. Um, and people can donate uh, books and magazines as well. We accept magazines only from this month and next month. We don't take back issues. And then we uh, accept books published within the last 20 years. Um, and it's... Uh, I, I think I can safely say that is by far the most popular um, uh, little free library in our city and uh, lots and lots of people use it. I've seen uh, parents bring their little kids and maybe it's their first book that they've ever read and they get, they've gotten it from Riley's Red Wagon Book Swamp. Yeah. Is this a seven day of a week uh, event? Yeah, it's put out every day unless it is raining or a big threat of rain. I won't put it out, but um, otherwise, yes, it is out there. Mm. How do you we, we, regulate? How do you regulate that? I mean, obviously, it's a big to do. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people talking about this your book exchange. Yeah. So you know, obviously, and you have a lot you do on on a daily basis. So obviously, you can't have eyes on it for all day long. So how do you regulate this? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where you just trust that people are going to follow the rules. I do have uh, some basic guidelines on a uh, I call it a rules sheet that I have out there and. Uh, People can read and they'll they'll can see the the, uh, the short history of about the Riley's Red Wagon book swap and and it says you know limit five books and one magazine per person um, and like I just told you bring them back in exchange for others or keep those first ones forever um, and those basic things and people pretty much follow the rules. Um, there, yeah, there's some rule breakers or people that maybe don't read that rule sheet and they just see a bunch of books and they just start grabbing. Um, but in general, people follow it pretty, pretty well. And I go out there every few hours just to make sure it is um, it, that it looks presentable for, you know, for my neighbors and for the next person that's a visitor to the Red Wagon. And several times a day, I will go out there and, and just check up on it. And people will leave books at my front door. We always put a, um, a stamp inside every book on the first few pages that says Riley's Red Wagon Book Swap. So it will discourage people from selling them online. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're a staple in the Belmont Shore area. Talk about your relationship with the Belmont, because I know that you're about fitness, but you've had a long standing relationship with the Belmont. Yeah, I've been teaching at the Belmont Athletic Club for about 23 years. Um, you know, was, when I had first moved to town, um, I started going there and I was taking classes uh, upstairs in their fitness room and I enjoyed the classes. And I was also thinking to myself, wow, I think I can teach uh, what they are. I can do what they're doing, the teachers are doing. And, and I think I can do it better than they can do it. And I asked the staff or the, the management if I could lead a class. They gave me a half hour session and it worked out great. I got um, uh, I, I got my certifications um, and then started teaching. And 
and then they would add another class and another class. So I was up to seven classes a week. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I am still teaching there. I think um, I'm pretty sure that I am the most popular teacher there. And I teach three classes a week at the Belmont. I teach three classes just on my own on Zoom um, that people can take. Yeah, so six classes a week. Yeah, and uh, you were doing a lot of Zoom classes during COVID. So you, yeah. you, you pivoted pretty well there. Yeah, you know, when COVID started, I didn't even know what, what uh, Zoom was. I, it wasn't <laughs> a thing. I didn't, I online things, I I was not familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and yes, we we all pivoted and we found out what this was about and how it could work and how simple it actually was. And, and it has worked well for me. So I've been teaching Zoom classes now for two and a half years, I think. That's, yeah. that's awesome. And I read somewhere that uh, you're into pageants. How did you get into that? <laughs> Yes, um, I currently own and run and direct the Miss Long Beach pageant, which I've been doing for maybe 12 or so years. So I started, um, my sisters, my two older sisters were in pageants growing up in high school. And so I would go and watch them and cheer them on. Um, after, uh, after college, my friend and I uh, organized the Miss Southeast Alabama USA pageant, which was a preliminary to the Miss USA pageant, and then also to the a preliminary to the Miss Teen USA pageant. Our local winners, one um, who won our pageants, went on to the state level and won, and then competed at Miss USA and at Miss Teen USA, and both of them um, did very well. The next year, the same thing. Both of them did very well, um, and so uh, other women and uh, parents would hire me to work with their daughters on interview skills and on stage questions, and so I, I started um, having opportunities to, to work with women uh, for their own pageants all around the country and the world, and have been doing so now for, gosh, almost 30, 30 something years. Um, I, at the time, uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't set out to be an, uh, a pageant coach, uh, a pageant interview coach, and, and I don't work with uh, with them on hair and makeup and dresses and all that stuff. I'll give my opinions, but that's not my that's not my thing. My thing is helping people with interview skill and onstage questions. Um, and I've helped um, several women to win national titles, all kinds of state titles and local titles. And when I moved to California, um, I knew I was asked, I judged the Miss Long Beach pageant. They had asked me to judge. And then um, the Long Beach Chamber of Commerce was um, uh, ready to relinquish their ownership of the pageant. And they asked me if if my nonprofit would uh, want to take over the pageant. And I said, absolutely. Um, so we bought the pageant um, and now we run it. What advice do you give to these young girls that, that maybe are thinking about getting into that some, some, something like that? Yeah, you know, um, I realize that uh, pageants are not for everybody and pageants also have gotten a, um, an unusual reputation over the years. Um, and we've changed our uh, our model a lot. So we no longer uh, I quit quit having a, a, a swimsuit category. Um, and evening in our evening wear, um, we, we no longer are allowing uh, long dresses. So it's just, um, I ask them to, to wear, we call it evening wear. It's not called the evening gown competition. Although that's glamorous, that's probably the only time they will wear an expensive dress that they've gone out and purchased. They probably won't uh, go out in a, in a long dress anywhere <laughs> that I know of. Um, 
anyway, so we got rid of that. And I just call it evening wear. So it's maybe like a cocktail dress or a dress that they would wear to a party or a dress that um, uh, maybe they would wear to to church or a fancy occasion. Yeah. And uh, you were on the Jay Leno show. Why were you on the Jay Leno show? <laughs> yeah. So um, one of my first events with, with dogs was called the Hot Dog Easter Parade. And we would get several hundred dogs dressed up and they would put bunny ears or an Easter bonnet or some fancy uh, attire on their dogs. We would walk a few uh, blocks up on Second Street, get thousands of spectators, and each dog, uh, we were getting $10 per dog to be in the parade. So we would have a big vendor fair, lots of dog activities and contests. Um, but the main event was the Hot Dog Easter Parade. Um, and then the producers at the Tonight Show learned about our parade and how um, what kinds of crowds that this spectacle was drawing. And the fact that we were raising money to help um, other agencies who were trying to take care of animals, like spay and neuter programs and uh, pet adoption programs. Um, so the money was going there. Um, and they asked us to bring, uh, asked me to bring my dog Rosie onto the show and ask us to bring some other people with their dogs who had been in the parade before. And we would have a, a little, uh, a little parade there across the stage, talk to Jay, Jay Leno would talk to each of us. And then uh, Jay interviewed me for a few minutes on, on about what we were doing and how we were raising money to help other animals. Right on. How many dogs do you normally have at a time? I, I missed what you just said. How many dogs do you normally have at a time? Do you have several dogs or, or do you normally just have one or? How, yeah, how one or two. Have? So for Rosie, we had, um, the last years of her life, um, we had we got Riley, and then they were together for a while, and then she passed, and then Riley was by himself for the last few years, and then we we got um, uh, POTUS, which is our current bulldog, and they were together for a few years, and then POTUS has been by himself for the last several years. So yeah, I would I'd love to have. I think the limit now is five. I thought it went up. It was four. So four animals, dogs and cats combined for a resident of Long Beach. But um, I would, now that we've got a, our own house and we've got grass in our backyard, I'd love to get more dogs. Uh, yeah, I would love to. And, and you're huge in your, uh, your church, right? and it's right behind uh, Belmont Shore there, right behind yeah. Second Street. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I go to Bayshore Church. I've been going there for, well, since I've been living in uh, in Long Beach. And um, every Sunday I'm there. And uh, it's just been a good place for me to go and to worship and just to fellowship with other people. And there's just, um, it's, it's something that I, I grew up doing. I was going to church um, since I was a born. Um, my parents still are very active in that same church. Um, but I've just go and, and I've also found that it's a good uh, they my church is a good partner with my nonprofit organization. So they allow me to uh, have lots of our events there at the church, like our father daughter dance, our mom prom for uh, moms and their kids. We have that dance there at the church. There's a in the fall of spaghetti supper for the community that's free that we host there. The Long Beach Bake Off is there. Um, the Long Beach Christmas Cookie Contest is there. The we we hold a free uh, concert at Christmas time, and it's there in their fellow in their um, sanctuary. And it's about 600 people that will come and get free tickets. And it's we hire about 20 
24 um, professional musicians to play a, a Christmas concert. And um, we have our national adult spelling bee, our national kids spelling bee also there in the sanctuary. Um, at Easter time, we uh, organize an event or I organize an event called Operation Easter Basket. We create about 3,600 Easter baskets filled with essential items and candy and toys. And then we give those to agencies who are serving kids uh, who otherwise wouldn't get uh, an Easter basket or a springtime basket filled with those needed items. Um, and we do that at the church as well. Where does that 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 sense of community, that caring come from? And you must have great parents that instilled that to you when you were living in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I think that my parents are and still are active um, in the community and uh, they modeled that kind of um, leadership and community building activities there. And I, I kind of, uh, I think I also learned um, about organizing activities and gathering people together um, from church activities, from other school activities. I was in the key club in high school um, and the, the honor society and various other clubs and organizations where we would gather and, and just fellowship with each other. And then even in college, same thing. I was the, um, Actually, I think I was even a freshman and I was um, elected to be the social chairman of my fraternity. Uh, so gathering people together and then organizing um, philanthropic things to do there um, and just have continued to do it, uh, obviously, much more. And, you know, I never thought that I would be living in California, first of all, but I never thought I would be leading a, a nonprofit organization or having created a nonprofit organization. I was always planning to go um, with my twin brother and I and work in a retail furniture store that my dad and my grandfather had uh, passed down. Um, but And I did that for four years. But, but you know, sometimes plans change um, and God wants us to be doing something else. And, and here I am um, organizing and uh, running this nonprofit organization. You mentioned it a little bit right there. You talked about your getting into the Glee Club. You, you have uh, abilities in singing and you've done stuff with, with your voice. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I've also done things with my hand. I was the hand double for Jim Carrey in the movie Liar Liar. Oh, how'd you get into that? Yeah. So back when I was um, first moved to California, I was also doing background extra work. Um, so I was um, working with TV and TV shows and movies, um, just being a background person. Um, and they, one day the agency asked uh, if they could see my hands and they said, can you hold up your hands? And I did. And I'm thinking, what, what is this for? <laughs> and then they pulled out a Polaroid that's back before digital cameras. And they um, had a picture of Jim Carrey's hands well, I didn't know it was Jim Carrey, a, a man's hands and the the skin, the fingernails, the length of the nails, the amount of hair, uh, the color, all of those things um, was very close to those those in the Polaroid. Uh, and they asked me to go down to Universal Studios and to meet the director that afternoon. And they said, can you go to this um, manicurist in Burbank. I had never had a manicure in my life. And they <laughs> said, uh, we want to give you a manicure today and then be on the set tomorrow at whatever time in the morning. And then we filmed it and Jim Carrey was there. Um, and that was that. So they also had a um, an index card with a tracing of the hand. So I put my hand on that index card and it, the fingers were all the same size. Oh, same right length. So all that stuff, it, you know, it's very 
very specific, um, but for such a short amount of time. But if you watch the movie Liar Liar and you see the the hand, uh, and they call it the claw. So he's writing and he's uh, writing in a an ink color that's uh, a lot. He's calling it a red or blue and whatever. And so that's my signature right there. <laughs> but yes, um, I was singing also when I moved to California. I grew up singing in choir at church and school and in college as well. But when I had auditioned to for a, I saw um, a, a news article that, that Disney was hiring for a new show that they were putting out. And I went um, thinking I'll give this a shot. And and I was hired to sing. I was part of a, an ensemble. And then I was hired again and again. And so I've I've sang at um, Las Vegas um, shows for Disney. I've, I've sung at, um, at Disneyland in the Toy Story show. I was a Dickens caroler at Christmas time. I sing at the Hollywood Hollywood Bowl um, with Disney at the world premiere of Mulan. I sang at the Superdome uh, live with the the world premiere of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, so, have, but I've enjoyed it. It's I'm just not doing that right now. But um, yes, that's that's my foray into singing professionally. With you know, with everybody knowing you, uh, you a great known number of people knowing you in the community of Long Beach. Um, I'm surprised. Maybe it's not your forte, but I'm surprised you've never run for uh, political office in the city. Uh, actually, wow. I, I, yeah, actually, I did run for office. Um, maybe it was, I don't know, twelve or fourteen years ago. It seems, um, and. Uh, People kept kept saying to me, Justin, why don't you run for city council? And I said, okay. And I decided that I was going to do it. Um, and then the the night of my uh, opening um, campaign opening, there was going to be a big uh, fundraising dinner. And I was walking up the stairs to that fundraising dinner. That whole afternoon, I'm thinking, I don't want to be doing this. This is this actually is not what I want to do. Um, I don't know why I have committed to this. And I walked into that fundraiser. And my speech was, um, you know, I've I'm not following my heart here. I'm following what other people want me to do. Um, and um, I was in tears. And it's tough when you're standing in front of uh, a group of uh, friends, um, peers, community leaders, and they all have checks written out in holding them in your hands, ready to give you money. That's one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Um, and and. Yeah. So I was I was on the ballot. Once you're once you um, run for office and you get your name submitted, you can't get off the ballot in Long Beach or in California. So that's that's how it is. But anyway, I got some votes, but I didn't campaign. <laughs> <laughs> right. On, right. On. And I just feel that, that that's not where I am to be right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, politics or a city, being a city council person, people people complain a lot. Um, they come to you. If, if it's not working out, it's your fault. And um, I, I just, I'm, I'm not there right now. I'm not saying I will never run for office. I have no desire right now to run for office or anytime soon, but um, yeah, not my thing right now. Well, what's the future for you and your organizations, organizations and such? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a few, few dreams that I have. Um, I would love to have more um, areas in Long Beach where dogs can be off leash, maybe a few other dog beaches. Um, I've, I would love to have uh, fall and winter time where dogs can be on any beach in our city. If people aren't going to be there in the winter, 
what does it matter if a dog is there, um, to, in my opinion? So um, maybe um, jumping more on that effort, I would love to see a no-kill shelter um, uh, here in Long Beach for dogs and cats. Um, I, I've been going to- What does to, that mean, no-kill? It so means, basically kill. means that uh, once a dog uh, comes into your shelter, they are never put down. Mm. So you would take care of that animal until somebody um, adopts that dog or that cat. Mm. Um, it also means, it, 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 unless it's an extreme case where the dog is in pain um, or there, there's a, a, you know, something that's wrong with the animal that is best if they did get put down but they won't just put down the dog or the cat because they're run out of space mm. if that makes sense yeah makes sense yes and um maybe eight or nine times i've been to kenya working with aids orphans in the summer um i uh, and i plan to go back next year i haven't gone recent years because of covid but i hope to go back next year and i've seen um schools there and uh, i would love to build a, a school for boys um, and fund that. And, um, you know, kind of like Oprah has a school there. Um, I'm not sure which country it is, but I would like, I'm familiar with a certain area and they would, I, I would love to have a boys school there. Um, so maybe that one day. And then the other thing was, is I enjoy baking. Um, I've been baking uh, for about four years. I've taught myself and I'd love to open a coffee shop bakery and hire people who are at risk or people maybe who are um, coming out of being um, houseless, homeless, um, or people maybe coming out of jail, people looking for um, uh, experience um, and opportunity and to work a, a, alongside people who are skilled already, uh, maybe in business or in baking or running a coffee shop um, and um, giving that kind of an opportunity. Did I hear that correctly? You taught yourself how to bake? How did you teach yourself how to bake? <laughs> you know, um, I have watched a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I we got our first house just four years ago. So I had always lived in a very small apartment and the, the kitchen was not, um, you didn't want to bake there. It, there was no counter space and um, the oven was not always at its best. So uh, when, I, when we got our house, um, I had counter space and a great oven. And uh, I, I've always enjoyed making chocolate chip cookies. Um, and then I decided just to branch out and do some other things and try other recipes. And, and you know, it's like a, it's like a, like chemistry. Uh, you, you just follow the, uh, you follow it exactly. Um, you follow the rules, the directions on a, when baking. And so I've just tried different things and um, have, I, I think, and people have said they're very tasty. So oh, right on. <laughs> and you can, you can see the pictures of the things I've baked, justinrudd.com slash baking. And uh, I wanted to end by asking you, what are the fun places you like to eat when you're just kind of out and about with, uh, with, with friends and family? Where, where do you like to go? Yeah, so um, in Long Beach, some of my favorite places um, would be the Attic on Broadway. Um, uh, on Second Street, I love um, Open Sesame, um, and um, right next door is Buena Gente, which is a Italian restaurant I've loved there. I've always enjoyed Lucille's Barbecue. Um, uh, Enrique's for Mexican food. 
Um, and yeah, those would be those would be my favorites right now. I just heard he had he was just uh, celebrating his 20th anniversary. Enrique is was that that just happened, didn't it? You know, um, during COVID, um, I I. I, we didn't go out. So wow. I, I think I've eaten eaten out six times since COVID began. Uh, I've been cooking myself a lot um, and again, teaching myself to cook. So it's been an opportunity for me to learn. But yes, they've been around for a long time. I've had lots and lots of meals over there and just great people. Yeah. And if people want to know about your upcoming activities or any of that nature, where do they go to see all that? Yeah, so uh, my website's called justinrudd.com, but if you go to justinrudd.com slash calendar, um, it will list all of the upcoming events, contests, and projects. You know, every month we do the beach cleanup. It's on the third Saturday every month. We start at 9.30, and you could clean for an hour or show up at 10 o'clock and clean for half an hour, and it's always at Granada Avenue, and we provide everything, bags, gloves, door prizes, refreshments, uh, and volunteer credit forms for students who might need that. Um, all ages and all group sizes are welcome. Um, and then uh, every year for my birthday week, which is this week, my birthday is Monday, um, I collect uh, shoes and clothing for uh, COA, which is Christian Outreach in Action, downtown Long Beach. They serve um, very low income people um, and homeless people. And so they have a clothing closet. And um, so I think this is my 10th year for, for collecting um, on my birthday week. And so that's going on right now. Uh, and you can learn about all of this at that justinred.com slash calendar. Fabulous. Justin, thank you so much for your time. I know you're yeah. extremely busy. So thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk to me on It's a Long Beach Thing. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Till next time, it's a Long Beach Thing. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into It's a Long Beach Thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.